goodness, Dustin Kava. Good to see you, man. It is another Friday here uh, in the world. It's another Friday here in the world. So that means because it's Friday, you're subscribed to our channel, Wayward Media. Because you're subscribed to our channel, you get the latest news and updates. You get to know when the freshest episodes are coming. And so you knew it advanced. Because if you're watching this, you hit subscribe on the channel because that's what you do on YouTube. And then you know. You know it's Friday. You know I'm here. You know Dustin's here. Dustin, how are you doing today, man? Good to see you. I am awesome today. I am feeling really, really ready and refreshed for this well, next that's recording. Excited to hear. Oh, excited to hear. We uh, have had some really fun shows lately. Filmmakers, scientists, uh, you know, counterculturists. Today continues that vibe, Dustin. Another guest show today. I'm really excited. Uh, an innovative thinker, right? An innovative thinker. You can probably tell by our alliteration heavy titles as they always are. Innovation and ideas is what we're talking about today. So we're excited to bring our guest Ty Glover with us from Think They Think. Oh, easy for me to say. Gosh darn it. I did that several times in practice. Messed it up. ThinkDifferentNation.com. Ty Glover from ThinkDifferentNation.com. All right, let's get this out of the way real quick before we bring in Ty. Subscribe to the channel. Visit us, wayward.media, wayward.media. That's the place to find out all the new shows. Anthony Trav is streaming some amazing World of Warcraft content right now. We got Because Cannabis every Friday. Some great shows that we are working on producing and bringing back soon, very, very soon. So subscribe, uh, check us out. Don't forget, 420 show. I think this actually airs after the 420 show, Dustin. I should have screwed that up. I should have known that. Hopefully you enjoyed our 420 show. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Hopefully you enjoyed our 420 <laughs> show. See, subscribe. That's how you learn those things, everyone. All right. Uh, be sure to check us out on the audio. Two weeks about after the show hits YouTube, you'll find the audio shows anywhere podcasts are available, iTunes, Spotify, uh, all those great places. So, and finally, social media. Uh Social media at meet W M M E E T W M. All right, Dustin, uh, guest show today, guest show today. One you are super excited about. We're gonna think a little bit, gonna right. We're gonna test, you know, that kind of emoji, that gift that's kind of from the ancient aliens and the guy that's exploding in the universe and the cosmos <laughs> again on a repeated loop. That's what I feel about today. <laughs> gonna happen, Dustin. So I'm excited. Ty Glover, think. DifferentNation.com is about to pop into this room in just a second. Let's do it. Let's meet him. Boom. There he is. You see him on the screen. He is there. Uh, Ty Glover from ThinkDifferentNation.com. Ty, welcome to Because Cannabis, sir. How are you doing today? Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Truly well. Obviously in a rainy Philadelphia, but doing well. I was going to ask. I wasn't 100% sure. So you're from Philadelphia. We're in Northeast Ohio. So we're neighboring states. Exactly. But because Pennsylvania is so long, I feel like you're so far away from me. You are a pretty good distance away. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, mm -hmm. It's exciting, though. So thank you for joining us. We're not too rainy here. It's been a kind of a miserable start okay. to the 2022 year weather-wise. Has Philly been that same way? Heavy snow, heavy rain? Because that's the vibe we've gotten here in Northeast Ohio uh, thus far. You know, we've far. gotten intermittent. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad of a winter, a little bit cold. Uh, I mean, I've got an 1890 Victorian and it can be cold as sin in this house. You, you drop a feather and you'll see that little thing blow all through the house. So <laughs> very porous, but it wasn't too bad. Uh, that's awesome here. Well, Ty, thank you for joining the show. Uh, Dustin and I are very excited to talk with you. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit before you came on. You know, we're both trying to find our way as young people. Uh, well, it's like I think we're young at heart, Ty Glover, <laughs> Dustin. Young at heart. I'm almost feeling Own it. Who own it. Who am I talking about? I just said young like I'm like 25 years old. Uh, we like to have people on who are challenging the status quo, right? Thinking about things a little differently. And that literally is the name of the site that you have recently created and launched, as well as the YouTube channel, uh, Think Different Nation, right. Ty Glover. So let's start there. I mean, let's start there. I want to dig into your past a little bit. We want to talk a lot about some of the specific ideas that you have uh, on there, right? Scaling your level of thinking and a bunch of these aspects, right. but just... Where was Ty Glover one day when he said, I need to think differently. Like I need to take advantage of some of these substances that people are uh, bemoaning and stuff. Like, where were you at? When did this idea occur? Talk to me about the origin. Give me the OG story of think different nation and why it's important. Yeah. You know, it's funny that, um, I mean, I've been, I've smoked marijuana for, for years going back to high school. And one thing I would always think about is I would always think about ideas. I'd always try to go and, and smoke and start thinking about 
the development of an ideal out, you know, whatever came to my mind. Um, I was really good at that because I could walk through certain steps to figure certain things out when I was smoking weed. And I didn't have that fluidity or I wasn't as comfortable doing that when I wasn't smoking weed. So it actually was uh, probably about five or six years ago when I was in the Dominican Republic, when I really kind of noticed there was a connection here. And I'm walking through what was the colonial zone, which was Christopher Columbus's house. And it was where he had built it. And I'm looking at all the windows in the top and I'm noticing the fact that all the windows are a little bit different. These are square, this one's rounded. And there was one in particular that had a, uh, I don't know what that shape is called, but it had a, uh, a cap at the end. And I'm wondering why the heck is that one so different from the rest? All of them built about the same time, 1490s. But when I started to really think about it, you know, you walk away from that experience and then you're wondering. And I think that's what really innovators do when they're walking around in any given space, wherever they are in the world, they're looking for that which is asymmetric to them, that which is not the norm. You know, if you think about the way we operate, you see a door, it's got the knob on it, you know, to turn the door and therefore it's a door. Everything that we do is a generalization, but it's those innovative people that actually see the asymmetrical focus in on it, wonder about it, and then they go through their heads and they fixate on that thing over and over again until they come up with an explanation, at least something that satisfies them, and then they walk away and they store it. Now, you look at Steve Jobs, you look at Elon Musk, they have a thousand what I call reference points of, of understanding in their mind, and that's where the creative side comes in when you're asking the questions of the, the well, why can't I do that? Well, what if I have, what would happen if I did this? And then referring back to those experiences, they're able to create concepts of scale. So that's what I've noticed. And when I was in the DR that time, I just pointed it out to a friend of mine and she said, you're very observant. And I, I know it's such a casual comment, but I thought everybody was. <laughs> I thought everybody was really focusing in on these things and more and more I'm recognizing I'm this strange kid in the room and everybody else is, you know, is doing whatever. So that's kind of how I really started to recognize where my, what I call my instinctive advantages, things that I'm naturally inclined to do well. What made you actually want to apply this to educating others about it? I mean, observing it and taking advantage of those observations for your own personal benefit is one thing, um, whether that's starting a business or, you know, whatever the gamut is, what exactly made you say, I want others to understand this and it's, it's, or it's important for others to understand this. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question in itself. I think really I develop concepts. I develop businesses. One, for example, is something that I'm about ready to launch called invest out. And it's a real estate partnering system. It allows homeowners like myself, who was going through a divorce, needed to potentially get rid of my house and recognize it needed work. And therefore, all I was going to get was cash and I was going to get screwed royally. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, why can't I take this idea or this, this house and partner with a flipper and let him do the investment, lift the value up, and then we share in that increased value? Well, instead of doing that, I actually created the company myself and it's called Invest Out. And so it's a partnering relationship. But I started to think about where those ideas are coming from. And I recognize the opportunity that exists. For example, everything is a process. If you Are you familiar with the Kabbalion or the principles of reality that's based in the Kabbalion? I know, but I'm about to learn and I'm excited okay. about that. Well, there's seven, but I'm only going to mention two. For example, the principle of vibration. Everybody knows that one. Everything vibrates. Everything's in constant motion. Now, if you combine that one with the principle of cause and effect, for every cause, there is an effect, then automatically it rings out the fact that there's rules for everything. Everything has a rule associated with it. Now, are you familiar with neuro-linguistics programming? You already know the answer to that, Ty. You can just educate me, right? You know I'm like I am but a humble man, Ty. I am a I'm a silly court jester um, right. living in the cannabis world. So I come here to learn from people like you to walk gotcha. away from here uh, more educated. By the way, just as a side note, this is the mm -hmm. most non-stonerous, stonerous conversation I think I've ever had, like completely sober, but just blowing my mind of what we're talking about here. So no, I have it, and I love. Uh, okay. to soak up uh, knowledge. So please. Right. Well, neuro-linguistics programming was something that was developed by a gentleman by the name of Richard Bandler. I think it was in 79 or 80. 
And he recognized the fact that we all experience the world through our five basic senses of sight, sound, smell, touch, taste. Okay. When we're experiencing the world, if I'm having an interaction, I'm listening to your words that you're using. I'm looking at your facial expressions. So I'm interpreting what I'm seeing. And then I'm having to interpret that and then I'm having to communicate it back to you. But very often, as a matter of fact, more often than not, the way we interpret something is not in alignment with the way it was meant to be interpreted. Or we create our own understandings of what we experienced through the own background crap that we have that taught us negative things about this particular side or something else about that. And we bring that baggage into our interactions in the world. And that's why we're in the messed up shape that we are because of the experiences that taught us to go in a certain direction. So that's neuro-linguistics programming allows you to kind of step back and, and step back away from the way you're assuming or the way you're interpreting and decompact it or decompartmentalize it to look at really how it's affecting you. Is it affecting you in a positive way? Move forward. If it's affecting you in a negative way, then it gives you the power to recognize it and to pull away from it and to do something different. Now, I take advantage of that. And go ahead, Dustin. Oh, no, I was going to say, I mean, in, in certain ways, I think it's important for almost everybody to be doing those things, taking a, taking a step back and, and thinking about it as a, you know, I'm someone who, who watches markets and, and, and trades daily. And it took that notion of taking a step back and saying, no, on the days that the markets are red, those are my green days. Those are my buy days. Those are the days that they do not scare me no more. They're my opportunity days. And it's that constant shift of it is, uh, you know, that I think, there are more aspects in my day-to-day -day life that when I have applied that to, I've been able to get them over, you know, get over those obstacles quicker. Right. It felt less anxiety over them. Um, it just, my, my whole well-being shifted. And I, I think, you know, to put mm -hmm. that in perspective, I, I think it's, it's, it's important, incredibly important. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 um, it's empowering when you really start Better to recognize word. the fact that, well, when my dad would say this or do this, it wasn't necessarily in alignment with the way I really think I was doing it because I was taught to do it this way. You know I mean? Look at our political environment here and look at the way you have people so polarized on opposite ends of the spectrum. Sure. And there's something called the principle of polarity that says everything is dual. For example, if you think of any type of an emotional feeling or state of being, there's always two states to it. There's always a up or a down, a right or a left, happy, sad. Everything has two states when it comes to state of being. And as a matter of fact, you can't find any. Aristotle talked about this back in uh, before Christ. So recognizing there's that two state, the problem with duality is that sometimes you can get so far away from the middle that you don't really know where the other side is. And so I think that's, again, where we are today. We're so yeah, far sure. over there. It's going to be hard to come back. Uh, I've, yeah, for sure. No, I think you're 100% right, you know, especially in that. And I think that's what happens is people, you know, forgetting sometimes that there is the other side, putting yourself in the other shoes, uh, et cetera. It really sounds like, Ty, and what is funny because, I mean, you sound so well thought out. Like you really put a lot of time and effort into thinking through this process. And really what we're doing is something that, has almost been uh, demonized by other people. It's smoke a little cannabis, let your brain go, right? Like take a step back and let yourself relax. And obviously, you know, medicinally, cannabis has been very instrumental, even CBD and other forms of the plant, industrial hemp and such, in anxiety release, in letting your brain go. I think uh, notoriously good and bad adult use versions, right? Rock and roll stars, uh, musicians using it to be free. Um, it's that similar concept just on a more inspirational personal motivational level right like so much let it be free but let it be free and realize that there is a tremendous amount of opportunity out there realize that you don't have to be trapped in some silo that you have put yourself in yeah. i really uh it's that next level right of thinking that do you feel like no when trouble. you bring it out do people say you're just uh, stop it, you silly stoner, because you even have other advocates of psycho, uh, you know, psychoactive drugs and other, you know, psilocybin and DMT, right. ayahuasca, other things that are brain freeing, which I think yeah. Dustin and I are both advocates of, of letting yeah. yourself go, be free in the moment, allow yourself to live 
outside yourself, not this trapped social media boxes and things you put yourself in. Uh, Do people get angry at you for saying that? Do they look at you as a silly stoner? Like what has been, as you keep uh, almost evangelizing this, what has been people's mindset or reception, uh, you know, as you talk about it? You know, I think people are adopting it nowadays. Uh, even you know, I've spoken to my my parents about it. They're, you know, they're they're comfortable with it. They've never really partaken. But I mean, I, I recently lost my father. Um, as a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago. I apologize. Mark condolences for Sorry. sure. Absolutely. No, thank that has you. To be so thank you. But I wish we had were more advanced in that we could have introduced psilocybin to help him through that transition because there are amazing things that are available in some of the products that are going to be coming out. You know, this, if you think about it, when it comes to psilocybin, for example, this is the period of time in history where there is the least use of psilocybin ever. You know, if you go back, I mean, you talk about mead, for example, where did mead come from? Mead is beer. Well, it's been spoken that it, and Terrence McKenna spoke of that in the food of the gods, but he spoke of the fact that, me, they normally would take the mushrooms and they would immerse the mushrooms into the honey as a preservative. And then slowly they started moving away from immersing the mushrooms into the honey and just using the honey itself. And that's when they started to get in the fermentation of it. But they pulled away from leveraging the ability or the gifts that were that you can take from leveraging these types of tools. And I really use it as a tool. I don't really use it as a sitting back, hanging out with the friends or anything else like that. Although I've done that in the past, I really see the power in using it as a tool. And I recognize two things. The one thing is, I don't know whether this has been a your experience, but marijuana will take you where you are inclined to go. (laughs) And if you've got some fears that are operating around you and you follow those fears, it will take you into those fears and it does a grand damn good job <laughs> making you feel the fear, you know, as opposed to if you're thinking in terms of a problem or, or a situation you're trying to solve, it allows you to walk down there in great detail and turn corners and, and see it from different orientations or different perspectives and really come up with clarity of thought when it comes to using it. That's what I've noticed at least. Uh, do you feel like, you know, we talked about the psilocybin and how this is the a moment in history where it's the, it's the least used. And then, you know, as I was hearing that come out of your mouth, I heard a couple of other statements that you'd made on past episodes of your own show where you were talking about more like the human propensity to constantly be innovating. And my question to you is, do you feel like we are in an innovative time right now? Or do you feel like it has something to do with that lack of psilocybin in in people's lives or or something else? You know, I I always say that nothing comes from nothing. And and that's that's a basic of the, the Kabbalion as well. In other words, if you start with nothing, what will you get out of that? You will get nothing. If you start with something, then everything layers. What comes out of something? Something subsimilar. You can take that to evolution, to Big Bang on out to where we are today, to even our development and our kids' development after us, something coming subsimilar. But those are all the experiences that we have. Now, when it comes to the creative side of it, I think I think you have a really great point there. Terrence McKenna pointed out the fact that 200, 250,000 um, years ago, he believed in, it was called the, I forget the exact same or the exact expression, but basically he believed that um, early man moving through whatever environment they were moving through would continuously be eating. And one of the things they partake in was mushrooms, psilocybin growing out of dung from elephants or from cows. And it cannot help to, but to expand your level of comprehension and understanding your ability to be able to grow in directions it can't help but it do that you know if you look at what is it called the mind explained on netflix and there was one specific episode called uh psychedelics your mind on psychedelics where it showed the uh the brain itself and it showed the firing of the synapses around the different parts and it showed the one that wasn't using any type of, of medication or any type of drug and it showed the one that was using psilocybin. And you saw stuff firing in all corners. It was just connecting the different hemispheres of the brain. So this isn't just make-believe. This is real stuff, you know? 
And I think if we were to get out of our own way, then it could be that much more of a transformational period. Because let's be honest, you know, we're in a sorry state. And the reason why I wanted to do Think Different Nations in the first place was I recognized that, A, we are the most adaptive species that has ever existed. We can do anything we want to do. But B, we will go extinct. We are the first civilization to ever know that we can, in fact, go extinct if we don't course correct. You know, you see people complaining about, well, why are we sending ships to Mars or why are we trying to get to Mars? Not recognizing the fact that we are on another planet and eventually we will get hit. Mankind will die off here. And if we don't have a base of operation in another location, man will be gone. Our, our history will be done. So there's a lot of things that people really need to consider. And we, my goal with Think Different Nation, I also have an app where I allow people to collect experiences over time. And the goal is to be able to take those experiences and do what I call a develop a collective database of ideas, pretty much crowdsourcing ideas from around the world and connecting people with like thoughts to like ideas to groups where they can discuss problems and focus on solutions. So I think you can even do that, uh, crowdsource ideas for solutions to solve our problems. <laughs> Uh, it just, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you talk, I'm really, I feel like it sounds like we're basically saying like if everyone would just, you know, relax a little bit, take a little substance to calm the brain, like we'd all probably be like a little <laughs> bit better off. I mean, it is interesting to think that, um, and I was just actually, you know, I told you and everyone knows here to listen to the show because cannabis that follows us on wayward.media, uh -huh. um, that, you know, I teach at the Cleveland school of cannabis. I'm big into the education. We had a recent guest on, uh, Dr. Humant Kumar bid talking about educational aspects uh into our industry in the legalized cannabis industry yeah. um it's a weird time and place because we have this same with psilocybin i just saw today actually just recently i don't know if it was today or not but just recently an article about uh someone being granted uh psilocybin for medicinal relief right we're getting to that okay. point kind of like the early 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 the mid 90s of the cannabis, right? The grunge era of cannabis when Nirvana right. ruled the world and legalized cannabis was but just an idea till 96 mm -hmm. in California, uh, Proposition 216. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that type of moment is here in psilocybin, maybe in psychedelics. We've mm -hmm. seen studies, and if you follow this, and I'm sure Ty does, I know yes. Dustin does, of ayahuasca and other things being used in heroin um, and other sorts of opioid addictions, PTSD, right. relief, like a uh, cigarette addiction, something, I don't want to say simple, but smaller, like a cigarette addiction or alcohol addiction of one treatment. Yeah. Come back out. Like I don't need a cigarette, you know, and right now in the U S it's not legal. You see it in other countries, Mexico has some of these also yeah. overseas. Uh, it's an interesting time Ty, because it feels like we are slowly, slowly, slowly adapting, slowly adapting to the cycle. Right. Do you think, but I guess ultimately, my real thought is, do you think it's a good idea? Like, do you, can you imagine a world where everyone's just all relaxed and free thinking? Like, it almost feels too good to be true. Like the days of Greek and, and Socrates, where we just sat around and had yeah. conversations about ideas. Feels too good to be true in yeah. this nation. But do you think we're closer to that? I mean, you really do? Yeah. I think we are. I think you've got a lot of money being pushed into it, the market itself. I think you've got so much development. Psilocybin's available or it's legal in Australia. It's legal in um, well, some parts of the U.S. now. What is it? Washington State, I think. Sort uh, of. Yeah, it's like it's actually a couple like municipalities of it, of, okay. of that state. All right. But it's well, close. So, it's le more legal than it's ever been anywhere. Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. But, you know, Jamaica has been legal the whole time. You know, that they're not legal with marijuana. But that's always so funny to think crazy. about everyone. Yeah. That always surprises people. You know, so when you think about that, to your point, I heard an article, or I read an article just yesterday talking about the fact that you've got the dispensaries now that are now starting to slowly dispense psilocybin mm -hmm. and trying to push the edge that way to do it just like they did to your point with respect to marijuana years ago. So I think there's so much money in it. Um, I'm buying stock in that space, you know, because it's a low. I lost a lot of money recently, so it did take. But that happens. You know, I think uh, it's we are early adopters. Dustin, there's are there stocks, Dustin? Like there's legal stocks in cannabis. Are there legal psilocybin stocks? Oh, yeah. I feel like you would know. That. Oh, certainly, definitely, really and and we've even built 
you know, there's you think about the cannabis industry, there's an entire industry of ancillary businesses that are based around it too. So, you know, uh, with Trav Media Group, we had did a job recently um, that was working with a company that provides a bit of software that connects doctors with patients who take psilocybin and kind of figure out the dosage and what happened and why and, and, and how to help essentially the patient tweak their medicine. Um, so no, absolutely. There And if you thought... You know, um, yeah, it's just, it's amazing if, for every company that is thinking about growing or touching the, the actual, you know, material, there's probably going to be 25 that are going to be doing something else that yeah. facilitates. Yeah. Always them. about that ancillary business. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> you know, and especially when you think about that, recognizing what's going to happen after legalization, what's going to blow up there, because right now you have no idea where to throw your hat. And so once it starts to shake out and you recognize distribution channels, how they're going to work out production, how you're going to get it out to customers itself from the standpoint of the end customer, let alone just the actual retail locations, you know, you're not even allowed to move the product in, in trucks and in tractor trailers that are distributing regular consumer packaged goods. So there's a specific space that's being carved out, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally for the smaller businesses. And I think that's great. But how do you go and how do you scale something to a national brand when everything's state by state by state? You know, those are the things that are really that's going to be interesting to see how it works. And, and think about all the other markets that you've seen in the past where the small innovators, the small backyard in the shed doing this in hiding for 30 years because of something has actually pushed the industry much further. And then when things start vertically integrating and, and, and the big boys come in, um, you know, there's the rest of the mom and pop industry goes. We're seeing it in Michigan right now with the caregivers who really help push so much of the of the industry up north. And then with recreational coming out and them getting boxed out of being able to sell their product to other dispensaries and stuff like that, that you just are not in the same position. I mean, it's definitely big money comes in, lobbying comes in. And so, no, I never feel like protection is to the small guys. That's yeah. not where money is made in this country. And small business and family owned has not been a priority within this nation for, for, for enough time, especially someone who's literally just sold their business and exited and is a serial entrepreneur. I know that. I know it is the small business is the greatest equalizer, I believe, in this country. It can take any, any group that has any type of oppression being put against them and absolutely shatter that window for all of them in a very, very short amount of time. And so, you know, in, in, in the psilocybin business, which I do want to take this more towards cannabis in a minute, but in the it's going to work the same way. These backyard farmers who have been doing this on the side are going to come in and either get a subsidy or get some type of agreement to help some corporation grow. And eventually it will be taken from them in some capacity. It has to. You think to. we can learn though? Like you think just yeah. real quick, quick do you think they have learned enough because we're literally talking about it right now so clearly it's a recognized issue and this is something you could find out these type of ideas on thinkdifferentnation.com or on the app from ty glover uh, which will have a link in the comments below as well as invest out be sure to check those out do you think that because they know it that we won't have that issue are they smart enough to recognize and realize no. it no <laughs> no it still happens no matter how hard we try yeah, no, he, all right, he, all right, he, ty just made the perfect example he said follow the money you know think about uh -huh. that where's the money lead and in in, in in what regards and no small business owners are not donating to the senator's pocket <laughs> i'm sorry that's not happening they do not they're putting their kids through ballerina lessons and they're they're sending their kids off to college and they're they're doing other things that help the community as a whole differently than what is helping the big boys making you know the right. funds but i would love to know you know in thinking about the cannabis industry what do you believe is what type of foundation do you actually believe is being laid out right now and and, 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 and where do you see, you know, I, I want to come this from like a corporate side and then also from a patient perspective, you know, what, what good things, positive things are you seeing happening in those regards? I, I think the most positive is the acceptance. Um, it's no longer vilified. You know, my, my nephew still has a, uh, a criminal record because he had, I think it was an eighth uh, and that's following him. And meanwhile, you've got everybody else 
making money off of it. And he had some, and you know, so I think that really hasn't been corrected as an issue, as it, as an issue, how it's impacted the poorer communities, you know? Um, So I think that will be a positive when you see things shake out that way. Ironically, you get called for selling weed and you can't even work in a dispensary. (laughs) It is a conundrum. We see it sometimes actually Cleveland where we're at Cuyahoga County just had a 40 or sorry, 4,000 expungements of, I think under 28 grams or under an ounce, you know, in States when they go legal, Illinois had 600,000 expungements. That is a nice thing. To your yeah. point, Ty, particularly, mm-hmm. you know, we know uh, traditionally, statistically, you know, especially young mm-hmm. African-American men, 15 to 25, mm-hmm. more likely to be arrested and persecuted for, as you right. said, a small amount. And mm-hmm. then someone who has a knowledge and skill base all of a sudden becomes uh, a pariah who can't work in it because they literally are a partaker of said product, which gets right. really makes me a little angry. Right, makes me a little yeah. angry because it's like how it's just to your point, like, how can you do that? So one of the nice things. Uh, about, I guess, impending acceptance mm-hmm. or legalization is some of those expungements, but clearly it can't happen fast enough. And hopefully your nephew, Ty, when Pennsylvania goes adult use, yeah. it's one of those people to have that expunge. That is a positive, yeah. clearly not fast enough, right. uh, but it is, you know, something. Yeah. But I mean, from a foundational standpoint, you know, working in supply chain and then having been in that space for most of my life, uh, you know, you you are developing, again, those micro growers which is great. I think diversification of product is is off the chain. You can go in so many different directions, um, which is good. You know, again, it's still a matter of, I can't see the way it's set up right now. I can't see any one company coming in and being able to obviously control it all because it's too fragmented for anyone to be able to get a foothold in control. You're going to see a lot of consolidation though, I can imagine taking place where all these different dispensaries, you're going to start seeing more and more being bought out by larger companies. And that's where they're going to really get their, their teeth, their, their feet deep into what's happening. So whether it stays state by state by state, and we never see Snoop Dogg's brand coming out of here to, to Philadelphia, um, or, or whether it actually goes into a national brand and they allow for those national brands distribution, states are very protective of their own growers. And so how do you even get a national brand? Yeah, I think the biggest issue is to reality, and I we've had this conversation before, but Mm -hmm. I think the best path forward for the United States to move this into the next century, into this century, uh, is not legalization, but quite simply just decriminalization. Take it off of the Controlled Substance Act of 1970, make it a Schedule Three, allow the states to do what they do. Now you're gonna have to put some rules in place, you know, kind of like the Cole Memo that lists some things. We'll have to talk about state to state exportation and some other Mm -hmm. aspects. But you said it, nail on proverbial head, tie. the states, they're not going to want to give up this money and power. You don't want the federal government coming in and saying, okay, well, I know Colorado, you've been doing this since 14 adult use. And I know California, you did $7 billion last year and you've been doing this for 25 years, but let us tell you how to sell your cannabis. Like, exactly. you don't, they don't want that. So right. it's going to be almost this weird push, I think, from some of these power states which will be New York when it gets up and running. Uh, mm-hmm. Illinois is slowly becoming that. Clearly, California, Colorado, mm-hmm. the OG of adult use, Washington, Oregon. I'm dying to see area. Oklahoma and what well, happens Oklahoma with Oklahoma the medicinal in the next capital, year and right? a half. Yeah, Oklahoma's got it's the medicinal really capital of the world. Uh, well, that's because they had no rules and regulations. Past episode, uh, Sooners gotcha. and Sweets, you could realize they had no legislation, well, very loose legislation. Okay. Um, okay. But it is yeah. interesting how the states, you know, kind of might not want federal legalization. In a weird way. And, and yeah, that's if, pretty, so, I'm sorry, Dustin. Oh, no, 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 please. I'd love to hear from you more than my nonsense. <laughs> no, I was just thinking that is, it will be difficult for, for example, that Snoop Dogg to be able to come out sure. with that national brand. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, he doesn't need any more money. You know, I mean, come on. It's kind of like the old days of alcohol. Like the regional brewers became mm-hmm. big. Like Coors was a regional brewer. And back when alcohol, and this wasn't even that long ago, didn't right. have state to state exportation. Yeah. But now, after the big boys dominated for about 40 years, we are back to regional brewery. I can't tell you the last time I drank True. a beer that was not brewed within 60 miles of my house. Like Ooh. most of the alcohol I drink is from local breweries in right. this area. And very rarely do I drink something brewed outside mm-hmm. of this. And That's so a really great point. It already exists. Mm-hmm. Like we fought to alcohol, went big, and then right. literally fought to get back to what cannabis in a weird way. Obviously, there's the federal hurdle. 
but right. fought to get back to. And I think to your point, Ty, yeah. I think states like that, like to go to oh, Oklahoma or Colorado and have something that's only there. And then you can start competing state to state. Who's got the best, um, the best product, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, if there was ever going to be a state that was going to give us a good idea of small business and the cannabis industry, it's going, you know, Oklahoma having sure. as many licenses and, and of any size and of any entry point, it's just going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be incredible to see. I want to go back to a point you made earlier about this concept of scaling, scaling your thinking, you know, um, Within the cannabis industry, a lot of the statistics, the recent statistics that I've been reading are talking about, you know, cultivators or dispensary owners, how long they stay an owner and how long it takes for another corporation to buy them up. Right. And so the average time right now within throughout the whole country is like three to five years and they usually sell out. It was a lot worse than that. It was one to two for a long time there, um, but three to five years. And so, you know, do you think that it is these owners that are hitting this level of thinking where they just, they can't, it's not a money thing anymore. It's a, it's a barrier in thought, or do you think it is, it's purely money and it's pure the logistics and, mm -hmm. and having access to all the other things you need. Um, but I would love to hear how the idea of scaling this industry, you know, is, is kind of works for you. Yeah, I think they're, I think that's their exit strategy from the start. You know, they know how much they have to put in. They know how much they can get out after X number of years, therefore pay back their investors. I think that's their exit strategy from the beginning, you know, um, that's so perfect. Yeah, we, we, I've talked to BC in some of his classes, and one of the very first things I say to some of his business students is, before you even start that company, you already know your exit strategy. Well, you know whether you're going to pass that on to your children, whether you're planning on selling it in five years, whether this is going to be perfect for another organization that could kind of you know bring you into the fold. But that exit strategy is literally one of the very, very first things. And I, I love hearing you say that. It just yeah. is like, yes. Yes. You know, I, I do something called world building when it comes to creating ideas, just like is done in science fiction, where scientists don't necessarily have the vision to be able to project out what's possible. So they go to science fiction writers to create possibilities. <laughs> and then scientists know the possibilities they can go into potentially, because, again, nothing comes from nothing. If I were to ask you to think about a red car driving down a highway, you have a car in mind. You're not creating a brand new car that has never existed because you're leveraging experiences from the past to create your thoughts going forward. So when it comes to scaling ideas, I think one of the biggest things that I do is, um, to be honest with you, I take a big picture about life. You know, I do look at evolution as a process because it helps you to grow and scale your thought from the standpoint of this came from that, from that, from that, nothing comes from nothing, you know, principles of reality. Um, but once you start to really think in terms of big ideas, like, um, Mount Everest started roughly 50 million years ago at the bottom of the ocean, 24,000 feet below sea level. And it rose to 29,000 feet above sea levels, the highest point on earth at a half of an inch <laughs> per year. So when you can extrapolate that out and your brain starts to be able to scale the understanding of what that represents, that's about the same amount of time it took for this animal called, I think it's a tectolic or it might be something else, uh, Pachyotus, to come out of the ocean, excuse me, to come off of land, slowly work its way into the ocean, and slowly become every mammal that exists in the ocean today. It actually didn't take 50 million years. It took really about 10 million years for adaptation to occur from this land-dwelling animal to this whale or dolphin or porpoise. Things happen pretty quickly when you can pull back away from our compressed timelines of life and you can start looking at it on a larger scale. So I really try to teach that within the classes that I teach because we're tied into four-year campaigns as far as presidential cycles. And then our lives and maybe the lives of our children, how far that's going to be, our parents, we really don't have an understanding of scale, you know? And you can't really think big unless you really have an idea of what big is. 
I think humans struggle to think big. You know, it's funny you say that. I just recently had a conversation with someone about this four-year gap that we find ourselves in. High school is four years, and you come out of high school in your four years of college. And I realize there are some, you know, time differences, but that's kind of this bracket. And then from there, you're kind of given like this 21 to 25 to go, and then you have to this 30. And then so these we live in these four-year things, and so life seems to exist kind of just within that bubble, and you can't struggle sometimes to think beyond that. But just to your point, right? We take a look at what legal cannabis was in 1996 in California to what it was in 14 in Colorado to what it is now, right? We just had a uh, conversation with someone talking about nebulizers, right? We're not even going to combust cannabis to get it into our body anymore. We've moved past that mm-hmm. point, and that's only been since, say, seven years of adult use. Gosh, do you know what cannabis and the forms, you know, obviously other types of uh, things is going to be like in decade in the transportation of it not just into product to and from but into your body like the scalability of that it is a really uh technological aspects right i think it really improved are you a big fan of technology ty like are you more like free thinking are you into the technological aspects i know thinkdifferentnation.com got the apps but are you a, a, a an innovator who fears the future and technology of what it could be for society just as a whole or are you appreciative and embrace it now, I, I embrace it um, for what it is, but I really only work with ideas of sustainability. You know, one of the biggest problems that we have, to your point about understanding scale, is the fact that everybody's saying, well, when's climate change going to start? We can't see <laughs> the, the effects of it because we're so close into it. We need to, to rise up above. But there's a gentleman by the name of Daniel Burris that um, wrote in a number of different books. He's a techno- technological futurist. And he wrote different books on the different types of trends that are occurring within the marketplace, such as technology, 25 different types of technology that are going to be out there for the next 15 to 20 years that are changing the game. And so when it comes to that whole idea of creativity, you really have to have to know the tools that you're working with in order to think in certain directions. Steve Jobs knew about about, um, 1G, 2G, 3G, what was going to happen with 4G and 5G. He, He knew all that stuff. So it's not like he was really pulling from nothing. He had that skill. Most people look at him and say, well, you know, he's thinking all these things. And why can't I come up with an idea? You've heard the expression before where um, people have said an idea really is given to kind of like three or four people around the world at the same time. And it's the person that grabs it and runs with it. Who's the one that can can manifest that into an idea. Have you heard that before? People used to say that all the time. I haven't. I'll tell you what phrase I use. That's funny. That sounds very similar. I have a very, uh, and if you've ever taken my class at Cleveland School of Cannabis or just listened to me lecture on this, I have a very uh-huh. similar idea, uh, pun intended, I guess, where I describe ideas as thoughts that exist in the ether up here, right? In the unimaginable space. And all of us have ideas, all of us. And the three of us right now together have ideas, Ty, me, you, and Dustin, and anyone listening to the show now, just because we're talking about sustainability, we all have probably similar ideas in this bubble. Uh And the person who succeeds, not guaranteed, but Uh the person who puts themselves in the best place is the one who almost like this kind of like reaches up and just snatches it down and then begins to put uh, fingers on keyboards, Uh pen on a piece of paper, or even thumbs at a keyboard and makes a plan, right? Ideas are Thoughts in the ether shared Uh collectively amongst and that one person or two people who just take Uh them down and say, I'm going to take an idea and make it a plan. And that plan then becomes action. And that's where success kind of starts. But it's a similar concept that we have these ideas and someone in order to be successful, you got to grab it. You got to ride that bull. It is a wave. It is a bull. Pick your metaphor and (laughs) ride it, right? Pick it, whatever you want, ride it. Well, you I remember Steve Jobs. I'm sorry, Dustin. Go ahead. Oh no, no. I the only thing I wanted to add was I. It's incredible that over history, and you're definitely you know someone who studies history. But it's incredible that you know some of the most profound inventions or profound innovations that have happened in the lot. Li- you know that in our lives or have actually been innovations that have there have been two separate patents filed within six hours or two days of each other mm-hmm. on separate sides of the world Armageddon with separate, deep impact. you know separate mm-hmm. bubbles there that are just like and it always provides this notion of like you thought the thought out in the ether and yes i mean it's out there if you grab it it's great but if you don't 
There is someone on the other side of the world who is tingling inside because you had that, that premonition and they're going to grab it. And so, but it's incredible because I've seen it with the TV. I've seen it with, you know, you see it with radio. You, there's, there's like 17 of the biggest innovations had the close calls like that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's profound to me. Yeah. How well, do you, yeah, I've you, always you, thought about that from the standpoint of, um, yeah, I think there's, again, I think there's rules for everything. Rules exist. The fact that chance happens, chance is just another word for a rule we haven't identified yet. And so when it comes <laughs> to ideas, you know, I think it's a matter of, to your point, um, it's all experiences. Again, you can't get something from nothing. If you never had an experience, you will never have an idea associated with or around the space of that experience. But once you have had that idea, then now you have the ingredients. And I think it was Rudyard Kipling who spoke about my six honest servants who he sends all around the world. And that servants' names were what, when, where, why, how. He's got a friend who's got a thousand servants. But that's the creative side of using those words, the what's, the when's, the why's, the world's, how, and coming up with situations where you're looking for a solution. That's where people are grabbing those experiences. So if you never had an experience that would relate to the idea, you're never going to get the idea. <laughs> You know, you have to have that basis from which to pull. That is an interesting thought. Uh, we're coming up kind of on the end of our hour. So I want to talk a little bit because we're clearly, if you listen, if you've been listening to this, we are clearly three uh, educational uh, educators. <laughs> Right. We're Ty and then the two of us who know a lot of stuff about cannabis and sustainability <laughs> on here. Uh, Ty from thinkdifferentnation.com. Uh, invest out. Check out the links uh, down below. Check out his YouTube series. Subscribe to him. Subscribe to us. Dual subscribe. Come on. Um, we got about 15 minutes left in our show today. So let's help. Like we got a lot of big brain power in this room. I feel it. We're all talking ideas. What can we do? Right. We don't know about cannabis's federal legality. So we can't take that into assumption. So how can we? Uh, and I'm looking for you to help me help them. How can we start people, right? People get started. What is some steps they can take? What are some things we can do? What's some, give some practical advice that we can help people get motivated, get going, get out of their own way and move forward uh, on this path. From the standpoint of marijuana or from the standpoint of what aspect? Let's just be successful first, because I think you can run anything. Cannabis is just a business that you can work yeah. into. So just success, maybe kind of starting your own path, kind of starting an entrepreneur journey. You come from that background. What are just some building blocks we can yeah. give them uh, to help go forward? You know, one of the greatest building blocks I think I've recently learned and I'm partaking in it is biweekly, sometimes two or three times a week, is Toastmasters. <laughs> because it gives you that ability to be able to stand up in front of people and speak and feel validated and get applauses, even though you really sucked at your <laughs> speech. But they're such a supportive community that helps to build you and lift you up. And therefore, when you start to work on your speech and or you're speaking and you start to feel validated, then you feel less concerned about how you're speaking. And then you can start focusing on the directions in which you want to go in. So I'd say that's one of the biggest things. But another big area to look at is getting out of your own way. You know, I know it's at the bottom of the hour, but or top of the hour, but I went through an experience in middle school, I think it was on my YouTube post, uh, YouTube channel, where I talked about an experience where I went through and I, I was told my IQ back in middle school or high school, which is something that should have never happened, but it was in the area of like 90, which is average. But right after being spoken, the gentleman said to me, so you should consider really the trades. He was directing me in that direction, even though I was college prep material. So mm -hmm. that statement alone caused me to think, I think differently. I think less. I'm not as intelligent as the, as the rest of the people out there. And that for the next 40 years directed the course of what I thought I was capable of. And I went, I worked in consulting companies from uh, Infosys to Accenture to, you know, you name it. I've traveled the world working in companies, working in high, high post. But yet I was always worried about that imposter syndrome because in my mind, I kept saying, you're only this smart, so you really shouldn't be here. So that goes into the whole neurolinguistics programming itself, stepping out of it, recognizing really where your intelligences are. Because Howard Gardner, professor at Harvard University, would tell you 
there are nine different types of intelligences. For example, the person who's a naturalist, who lives in the Amazon, who knows the flora, the fauna, who knows the, you know, he knows the territory around him, or the musician who can play his butt off, or the, you know, the pilot who understands scale and, and size and, and spatial. So there's nine different types of them. And if you're only aligning around that mathematical logical, which is the IQ test, then you're really not capitalizing on, again, your instinctive advantage or what you are, you are naturally inclined to flow well. And that's really what I would say, focus in on your best sides and don't even worry about that which you're not good at or that which people say you're not good at it. So do you think that, do you think that, are you, so do you gravitate, I guess I'll say, towards the notion of the do what you love or do you gravitate towards the notion of the do what you're good at? You know, so. <laughs> chicken um, and egg there, right? I, I guess. I think yeah. it's the same thing. I mean, I'm not going to love something I'm not good at, you know. For well, me. and that's, a, okay, so I guess that makes sense. I always say a lot of that, that you can find a lot of self-worth in doing what you're good at. But I, what, you know, like when I think of the things that I've loved, truly loved, it's been mostly hobbies and those things tend to leave me every six years or seven years. And I'm like, ah, oh, that was cool. Seven years ago, I'm going to okay. hobby on up with something else. And I start a new business and I, that gravitates around that hobby. But okay. if I would have just stuck with what the hell I was good at, I probably, you know, it exponentially greater things could have happened or, you know, whatever. But I, I, I wonder, um, I just, I wanted to hear it from you of you just, yeah, I just wanted to hear you I say would that. say my, my instinctive advantage, for example, three parts of it. First of all, I call it uh, active observance. I'm constantly looking for the asymmetrical. I think I mentioned that. The second one is um, uh, experimental curiosity. I'm consciously running through different thoughts on why is that? How does that work? And then the last one is, active assemblance where I'm taking all these different ideas and I'm putting them together. So I know that's my instinctive advantage. I do that very well. And therefore, when it comes to getting into anything I want to get involved in, I leverage those, that instinctive advantage to move into that space. And when you can really find out your specific instinctive advantage, you know, your scale of opportunity is, is uh, extrapolated out even further, exponential, because you're taking what you do naturally, that you naturally do well, and then you're moving it into a direction where you need to go, whether it's my nine to five gig or whether it's something else from the standpoint of a uh, whatever activity it is, you do it better when you're exercising that which you do well. I feel really good. I've just learned. I have a lot of validation coming from this show today. That's what I feel. Ty Glover from <laughs> thinkdifferentnation.com, investout.us. I feel completely valid. Two things. Hey, uh, I have cultivated, uh, pun intended, this educational entrepreneurial program at the Cleveland School of Cannabis for the last five years. And I teach a couple of things. A, I force them to work on public speaking and presentation skills Great. because I find a lot of students who gravitate towards mm -hmm. cannabis education, cannabis jobs have mm -hmm. a very strong knowledge of the plants and of the material, uh, maybe the effects, maybe even terpenes uh, and other things that the most people don't think about, but they struggle sometimes with that. And so when you uh, mm -hmm. talked about Toastmasters and just the ability to be in a spot that is a safe space. I'm not a fan of that word, but a safe space, right? Where people will appreciate you, even if you're not great, but help right. build up the parts that you did well to right. give you that confidence going in. Right. And then the other part that I really uh, talk about and gravitate towards is do, you know, do what you do. Like, why you? Like, what right. part of it? So many people come into this industry and will kind of you know, bring it back to the cannabis industry, uh -huh. wrap up. So many people come into the industry wanting to be around the plant. I want to grow it. I want to sell it. I'm like, that's great. But that's like 50% of the jobs. There's a world of opportunity, an unlimited world of opportunity without all the legal and financial hassles that you deal with in the plant touching business that uh -huh. also are things you're good at. You know, we have students who come in and they're like, I want to be baked cannabis goods. I'm like, uh -huh. have you ever baked a cupcake? They're like, no, I'm terrible. But I just want to because I love them. I'm like, well, to Dustin's point, there is a line where right. you have to be uh, a, a, an evaluator of your own abilities and strengths and weaknesses. Exactly. And what you love is great. Mm -hmm. Maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes if you're teeter-tottering on that love versus what I'm good at, yeah. like you got to <laughs> lean more good, right? You yeah. got to lean more good. And people, particularly younger people getting into the industry, Ty, and I think this is where they can learn things on thinkdifferentnation.com. Mm -hmm. They can, this aspect not always about the passion of it it's 
passion, profession, like all these things combined. So lean yeah. towards good versus what you do. But that's a right. like I've been preaching that for five years, and you two have just made you're me right feel on like point. I'm a peacock puffing my chest out. I feel great, Ty. We're Most like a simpatico. I love it. <laughs> stand up and do a stand and deliver. Give them a topic and yeah, man, feel, but it's speak. it's very true what you are are advocating out there. What thinkdifferentnation.com is talking about is these aspects of think about yourself, get out of your own way. Like right. I really appreciate to thy own self where your true. head's at. I really appreciate where your head's at. Truly appreciate it. Um, all right. Where are we at? Dustin, we got a few more things. You got anything we, before we let Ty go? Um, I actually, I just want to end on more. So what wakes you up at night and, and what drives you in the morning? <laughs> you know, like what really does scare now. a man who, who really feels like, you know, when you truly understand yourself that there really are no barriers, yeah. uh, what, what drives that fear if there is any, and oh, during some. the day, when do you go? Yes. Like I did it like today rocked, you know, what, what, yeah. Define that for me. You know, I, I roll from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. I mean, and I'm very good at rolling from failure to failure. I have no qualms in it nowadays. <laughs> you know, I actively look forward to failing because I have learned so much over the years and I failed a lot. So you know, it's, it's just been such an energizing experience because now I actively and consciously look forward to an opportunity where I can fail and learn from that to move forward. Now, the more I fail, the more I am successful at what I'm doing. So I really have to have that upward trend as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just fail and enjoy it. Uh, it's 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 a true statement though, right? Just not, uh, and I don't need to fail more. I think I take a little bit of a thing. I don't need to fail. I'm good with all the failures I've had thus far. They <laughs> have compounded enough, and right? culminated. Like let's yeah. just, this has been a success. So that's a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're correct, right? From those failures, come further opportunities, come educational opportunities, right? It's where yeah. you sit on the precipice of failure and which fork you turn can help not just define you because anything is overcomable, yeah. but can really push you in the right direction. This has been Ty Glover from thinkdifferentnation.com, a, ah, a great conversation, an amazing yeah, conversation, you. really enlightening. Uh, obviously, I think Dustin and I both, and I think we can tell from this hour we spent together, we have similar beliefs with where you're at, like that right. kind of thinking. It leads to success. It sounds mm -hmm. sometimes like, okay, I get it. It's not that it's mind-blowing information. It's a, it's application to your life. It's are you? Like, are you doing it? Are you going to a place like thinkdifferentnation.com? Are you downloading the app? Are you following the advice or are you just saying, sure, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's something we have to have too, right? It's that drive. It's that hard work, that effort, that discipline to get there. Right. Uh, you know, Marcus Aurelius once said uh, he was the Roman Empire, I think 170 up to about 170, 179. But he said, uh, although your path may be impeded, there can be no impeding your intention or disposition for you can adapt, you can accommodate. You know, the, the mind adapts and converts to its own purpose, the obstacle to its own action. Now that is so freaking powerful, but it is so true. Even though I find myself in situations of failure, I don't even look at them as failure. I look at them as an opportunity and then I'm able to take those and adjust them into something that I can literally move forward through the problem. So those failures, that's what I'm speaking of. The failures really propel me forward because I'm, I don't look at them as being the failures. So now that's a really good point. Uh, I look at, uh, as I said, I look at this as a success. I'm glad you joined us, Ty Glover, uh, on Because Cannabis This Week, Wayward.media. I'm glad you joined us from thinkdifferentnation.com. Check them out. Once again, there'll be uh, links for that and investout.us. You got a home you need to uh, consider uh, a different opportunity. Uh, investout.us is a place to check it out. Once again, both of those links are in the comments below. Subscribe. Make sure you subscribe. Check out Think Different Nation. Ty's got his own podcast. He's starting lots of great versus us, which are doing like our shows. Great six-minute blocks, eight-minute blocks of powerful, like, trust me, people stopped eight yeah. minutes. People stopped 52 minutes ago. I get it. Powerful eight-minute blocks of motivational information coming out every so often. ThinkDifferentNation.com. Great place uh, to go from that. Ty Glover, I know we're going to see you back here again uh, shortly, I'm sure. Uh, cause we still have a multitude of things to talk about. There's always room right. to grow and innovate and have new ideas. So thank you for joining yeah, us this you. week on because cannabis Ty, We really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, you've been thank awesome, you, man. You've been super awesome uh, to chat and talk with. So thank you very much. All right, everyone. That's it.
Enjoy the show. Make sure you subscribe. We'll see you all later. Cheers, gentlemen.